Do you long for rest today? Do you long for rest from a weary and crazy world? Do you struggle with anxiety and fear and depression? Are you bombarded? Are you bombarded with a divided mind? Do you struggle with guilt? Sometimes even with depression? Do you feel that you're judged? Do you just want to escape? Escape from it all, even for just a short period of time. This is the cause of a cluttered, settled, unburdened soul. Because we're trying to act independently of God rather than enjoying a dependence on Him. He provides consistency and He calms the waves of life's storms. He is to give us rest from a noisy soul. Nicholas Ellen, one of my professors, recently taught on this passage about quieting a noisy soul. He characterized a noisy soul as downcast, doubtful, devastated, divided, and devoid of peace. He concluded that a noisy soul comes from seeking to live independently from God and not depending and submitting to Him. The antidote is simple. It's Jesus Christ. Now, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. If you have a Bible from the pew, that would be page 969. Matthew 11, 28 to 30, page 969. And you're going to see that Jesus gives us two commands. Two commands and two corresponding promises. He's going to contrast man's way of finding rest with God's way of finding rest. Now, I want to acknowledge additional insights from this passage that I've received from Pastor Jeff Rich, Professor Nicholas Ellen, and authors Dane Ortland and John MacArthur. In your outline today, in your bulletin, you're going to see we're going to look at three aspects in this passage of this rest in Jesus Christ. The initial entrance into rest, an ongoing experience of rest, And then finally, an ultimate encouragement to rest. So let's read, starting in verse 25 of Matthew 11. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Father, excuse me, no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As Brian talked about this morning, leading up to this passage, Jesus has been teaching on the Great Commission. He's been teaching on making disciples. 
He calls his audiences to confess him as the Son of God until he returns. He has told them that this will cost his followers everything, perhaps including their families. Jesus reminds his audience that John the Baptist has prepared a way for him as the Son of God. But many listening would not repent, and they would not come to believe in Jesus as the Son of God. Instead, they were filled with self-righteousness and a works-based religion. The stubborn people would not enter his rest, just as Pastor Jeff has been preaching from Deuteronomy. They would not trust in the Word of God. They chose independence from God rather than dependence, trust, and belief. Now, from the Scripture reading in Hebrews 4 this morning, we are to draw near in dependence on Christ. We are to draw near in confidence to the throne of grace to find rest. You see, God has hidden these simple truths from the self-proclaimed wise, from those that are too intelligent, for those who are prideful and arrogant. But God was pleased to reveal Jesus, to the, who's the Son of God, to who? To the spiritual infants, alluding to those who are meek and humble. Jesus has stated authoritatively that the only way to the Father is through the Son, and that the Son chooses to reveal the Father to whom He desires. In our passage today, Jesus calls those who are weary, heavy laden, to come to Him and enter His rest. First, let's look at the initial rest, the initial entrance to rest in verse 28. Come, look at it in verse 28, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This call is a clear command to come to Jesus, the Son of God, to find the gift of rest. As one theologian observes, this is an echo we see in the Old Testament from Jeremiah 31, 25. Yahweh is satisfied to refresh His covenant people Israel who are so weary. This refreshment is salvation for a people who are burdened. It's the promise of the new covenant, the coming Messiah who would be a cover to take away all of their sins and give them righteousness that they could not earn. Jesus here has been making it clear to the Pharisees and all of Israel that Jesus is the Son of God, and the only way to the Father is through the Son. To enter the rest of salvation, Jesus says, come to me, come to Jesus. But how? Jesus calls the people not to keep the law, but to come to Him to find rest. Coming to Jesus is placing a personal trust in Him to save, to redeem you from your sin, a sin that has caused you a weary and heavy-laden soul. Coming to Jesus, then, is a way of speaking about exercising, saving faith. This act of coming, the person is not simply coming to a knowledge or an understanding of Jesus and how He saves. No, but this is trusting in Jesus Himself, 
Jesus is not saying, come to, to, to knowing Him. Instead, He's saying, come not to the law, come not to the Pharisees, come not to a list of do's and don'ts, come to me, come to Jesus. One theologian, he explains coming to Jesus as confessing Him, receiving Him, and certainly being willing to learn Him sitting at His feet. You see, all this coming to Jesus is wrapped up in saving faith. We are to confess Him, to receive Him, to learn from Him. That's why we come to Him. We are to know how to come to Jesus, and it's through saving faith. So now, who will come to Him? It's the weary. Look at it in verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus is calling people of all ages, all people groups, all situations, come to Him. But there's one caveat, isn't there? For someone to come to see Jesus, they must hope in Him and Him alone for their salvation. They must be weary and heavy laden from their own works, from their own struggles to find salvation. They cannot think that they have it all together and that they're good enough to earn salvation in any way. Believing in Jesus Christ for salvation involves great humility and brokenness. That person is then described as weary. This is the idea of being worked to the utter point of exhaustion, not just from housework or from farm work, but from this burden of their guilt, of their sin. But there's more here. This weariness is a state of fatigue. It's a toil from trying to please God by some legalistic or works salvation approach. There's also an internal sense of exhausted vanity from trying to figure out a way to Jesus on their own, trying to earn salvation. The word heavy laden here also has a sense of external burdens that have been placed upon their backs trying to earn salvation by someone else. You see, keeping the Old Testament laws mandated a micromanagement control of every task of every single day. This is a struggle of daily life that people were not able to keep. One theologian paints a picture of this daily labor of carrying this burden on a heavy back, trying to keep careful watch to not break any of these laws. So he who comes then is one who is turning to Christ out of desperation for true salvation, recognizing that he can have no confidence in himself for salvation. If so, many searching for self-righteousness will not come to Jesus. They will not answer Jesus' call of who will believe, but we can see who will. Our passage today covers it, but also John 3, 14 through 16. Go ahead and turn there. John 3, 14 through 16. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, two books to the right. John 3, 14 through 16. It says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... 
even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John MacArthur answers this question of who will come by stating, quotes, the person who humbly receives God's revelation for himself and his way of salvation, who turns from the unbearable burden of his sin and self-effort, and who comes to Christ empty-handed, is the only person God will save. We need to come to Jesus. We need to come broken and empty-handed if we are to come now we're going to turn to what the weary and laden are coming to Christ to receive, the nature of rest. So, in verse 28, we first saw a command for those to come who are weary and heavy laden. And now the promise in the second part of verse 28, that Christ will what? What does it say? Look at it. Flip back. He will give them rest. Jesus will give them rest. This rest is both experience at the end of our earthly life and now, immediately, today, in our present reality. It is a rest for all eternity. Let that sink in. It's a rest for all eternity that we will be saved from the punishment that we deserve as sinners, that we will be free from the presence of sin forever. But that's not all. It is also an immediate, personal, effective rest that is freely given to all who will come to Jesus, an immediate rest of freedom from sin through forgiveness, a rest of being clothed with the perfect righteousness of another, of Jesus Christ. This is the entrance into rest that we're familiar with in Romans 8, where it says, For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the rest of justification. We are justified in our position as saved in Jesus Christ. We have His righteousness. Amen? Yeah. The Bible uses, though, several pictures to define this spiritual rest. First, rest can be a ceasing from action, labor, or exertion. Second, it's a freedom from anxiety and worry that disturbs us. It's a settled or a finished state. It is done. It is complete. And fourth, rest is a confident trust that God will persevere and keep us to the end. We no longer have to earn. We don't have to worry about, try to complete, or to assure ourselves of our salvation in Christ. That's amazing. That's our rest. So we can fully rest in our Heavenly Father who's supplying all of our needs through Jesus. But understand... This rest is not a release from all the obligations of obedience to Jesus. Oh, no. And this leads to my next point in your bulletin, point two. 
the ongoing experience of rest. Let's look at it in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find a rest for your souls. Does this term yoke scare you? Yoke was a very common word, a common concept in the ancient world. A yoke is basically a metaphor for submission. Just as an animal was yoked in harness to pull a cart directed by their master, or a student was yoked to their teacher for learning, Jesus uses this picture that we are to be yoked to Him. But there's a contrast between Jesus' yoke and the Jewish teachers, isn't there? We are simply to have a yoke, but not just a yoke, Jesus' yoke. We are yoked to Him. In the Old Testament, we would have been yoked to the law. This was a heavy and oppressive yoke, the law. But Jesus' yoke is not. It is light. See, the function of the yoke is to make our burden easier to carry, not heavier. For Jesus' yoke is easy. It is kind. And it demands of that yoke are lighter because we are entering a discipleship relationship with Him, an intimate walk for all eternity with Jesus. We are to learn Him and learn about Him. We are learning Jesus. As one scholar puts it, quotes, He is both the subject matter and the teacher. See, the root idea here can be found in John 17, 3, where Jesus prayed, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We need to know God, to know Jesus. So having entered the initial rest of salvation in verse 28, we still need to continue in verse 29, to learn to rest in Jesus, to be at His feet as we wait for Jesus' second coming. When we came to Jesus in verse 28, this involved clearly a turning from sin and self-righteousness to trusting in Jesus, to turning to Jesus, not for simple fire insurance, but a commitment to be submissive learners. That's why these verses are linked together. This is the emphasis of verse 29, when Jesus says, take my yoke. We are to submit to Jesus in obedience to His Word. But that's where it's amazing. Instead of a heavy yoke and burden, Christ will never, never oppress us. He will never give us too much to carry. 1 John 5.3 says, This is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. So this submission to Jesus Christ by taking upon His yoke and learning to sit at His feet brings us the greatest freedom a person can ever experience. 
Watch this. This freedom is the ongoing experience of rest. It is a freedom from the power of sin day by day as we follow Jesus. Any of you need that today? I do. We all do. So let's look a little bit more at this ongoing experience of rest. This term rest in verse 28, we pointed out that it is a given rest. We are given rest, right? This is this initial rest of reconciliation. It's justification by faith, full forgiveness, full righteousness. But in addition, in this passage, we have not only the initial rest, but an ongoing rest. In verse 29, look at it. We are promised that we will find rest for our souls. Oh, this is that ongoing rest and relief from anxiety, from fear, from a cluttered and noisy soul that we so long that we desire to return to Christ for. This is our ongoing walk with Christ, our sanctification. Nicholas Ellen defines the term rest here in verse 29 as the peace of God. He explains it as the, quote, tranquility of the soul resulting from learning Jesus Christ. Many of you remember this initial experience when you were first saved. When you first came to Christ, you gave Him your life, right? There was a tranquility. There was a peace that surpassed all understanding. Life didn't get easier. It was still burdensome. It was still complicated. Despite all the challenges, you had a peace. Yet, if you're going to be honest today, somehow or another, the burden has returned. Our souls have become noisy. You are constantly chasing and doing and trying to be obedient. You're falling short. You're struggling. You're questioning. Oh, you have a noisy soul. You feel burdened, yet you know better. You are saved, and yet you desire to enter that rest again. This ongoing experience of rest, learning at Jesus' feet. Let's look at Philippians 4, 6 through 9 together. That would be to your right right after Ephesians, Philippians 4, right before Colossians. It's a short book. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 9. Let's look at this ongoing rest that we are promised. I'm going to start in verse 4. Philippians 4, verse 4. Oh, look at this. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's what we did this morning. That's what we should do every day. Jump out of bed and sing and rejoice. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Isn't Scripture good? We need that every day. The ongoing experience of rest that we desire is the peace of God. 
And we are going to experience more and more of that peace of God, that rest as adopted sons and daughters. Day by day, we will learn and the burden will be light and lighter. The lifestyle and the responsibility that God teaches and commands us to walk is not burdensome. Don't buy that lie. It's not burdensome. Dads, moms, kids, grandparents, singles, whatever season of life you're in, do you need to experience more rest today, that ongoing experience of rest? Learn at Jesus' feet. Come to Him. Pray to Him. Cry out. Lay all your burdens down. Be in His Word. Be in fellowship. Be intimate with Jesus. So now, let's turn to why the yoke of Jesus is refreshing and not burdensome. The whole point of this passage is because of the character of the God-man. And this leads us to our final point this morning. First, we talked about the initial entrance into rest, the saving faith. Second, we talked about ongoing experience of rest, experiencing rest day by day. And finally, third, the ultimate encouragement to rest in Jesus. Jesus reveals little about himself directly in Scripture. Here in this passage, Jesus tells us in his own words about his heart. His heart being the center of all that he is and all that he has come to do for us. As one scholar puts it, quotes, it is the thing that is most true of him that exposes his deepest character of being. He said that of verse 29. So what is this of Jesus that is most true that exposes his character? Look at it in verse 29. You've got to flip back to verse 29, Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. What a Savior indeed! The word gentle here ties back to the first beatitude. The meek will inherit the earth. Jesus was so humble that he was willing to be mounted on a donkey of all beasts to enter his last days where he would face so much rejection, pain, and sorrow. Yet he did it with a, a, a gentle and a quiet spirit. He was not harsh. He did not react so often as we do. He certainly was not easily frustrated. But see, Jesus is not just gentle. It also says, or he says about himself, that he is humble of heart, pointing to his lowliness. In James 4, 6, we are reminded that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Being humble and lowly is a virtue throughout God's Word. Romans 12, 16 tells us that we are not to be haughty, but we are to associate with the lowly. According to another scholar, humble and lowly here has the, pic the picture of being unimpressive, socially rejected. Those that we walk by on the street that we don't even notice. Yet Jesus is not only lowly, but he seeks out those 
who are lowly, the forgotten, the dismissed. Jesus is accessible and he is approachable. Even sinners like us, can you imagine? We can approach Jesus and, and he will allow us to sit at his feet and learn from him. Why? Because he is gentle and he is humble in heart. This is the whole key as to why we've been commanded to come to him and that he will give us rest. We are to take his yoke upon us and learn from him for soul rest. The Pharisees, they demanded that people earn salvation. They were cruel, prideful, spiritual leaders, but not Jesus. He is gentle and lowly. He receives the broken sinners, the burdened sinners, not those who believe that they can somehow please God with their own efforts. We come to Jesus the first time and every day because we need Him. He will never cast away a person who says, Jesus, I need you. And he will never, ever leave us. Why? For he is gentle and lowly of heart. You see, the only requirement is that you are humble and broken, that you too are lowly. Jesus simply wants us to open ourselves up to Him, to be honest about our brokenness before Him. Dean Ortland, in his book, Gentle and Lowly, says it well, quotes, if we were asked to say only one thing about who Jesus is, we would be honoring Jesus' own teaching if our answer is gentle and lowly. In the secular world, it is those that are in a high position. It is those that are gifted with speech or talent, who are beautiful in their physical presentation, those who appear to have it all together. Those are the ones that we desire to follow. We find it difficult, though, to draw near to those who are considered the dregs of society, the weak, the needy, the broken, even despicable, and in Jesus' day, the unclean, but not Jesus. This is who He calls to come to Him. Yet, do not be confused here, right, about this gentle and humble heart, because it is not weak and feeble. Dean Orland reminds us that in Revelation 1, 14 through 16, we see Jesus described as a person or as the God who has eyes like a flame of fire, like the voice, like the roar of many waters, with a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, and a face like a sun shining in its strength. Yet this is our Savior, who is to be revered, honored, and glorified, because in his strength... He is humble, He is meek, and He is gentle. That is why we come to Him, because we know deep down 
that He will not turn us away. Our sins are not too much for Him. Rather, He chases us with open arms. He has a heart of action, a heart of action to draw us close to Him and near to Him and to save us. In Matthew 8.23, the leper says, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus immediately embraces him, and he touches him to heal him. Jesus' deepest desire was to heal him, and not just from his physical disease that could be seen. No, listen, but from a heart of sin that needed redemption, and that's all of us. Jesus has great compassion. He carries around with him in anguish beyond anything we can imagine. It's an anguish of all who have come to put their faith in Him. Jesus cries. Jesus has tears for all that His people have shed. In Luke 7.34, we see this heart of being gentle and lowly as a friend of sinners. Jesus touches, He embraces, He heals, and He forgives those who are still His enemy. And He does it out of gentleness and loneliness. Dean Ortland goes on to say, quotes, It is impossible for the affectionate heart of Christ to be over-celebrated, made too much of, or exaggerated. Isn't that true? You see, The whole gospel account going back to Genesis is about Christ coming gentle and lowly to a fallen world to redeem a people in need, a people who are totally depraved in sin and selfishness. In His deepest character, His most natural instinct is to move towards sin and suffering, to take it upon Himself and to remove it from us. So, keep coming to learn at Jesus' feet, for He is gentle and humble of heart. This is the ultimate encouragement to find ongoing rest for your weary soul. So, we've seen this morning in this passage from Matthew 11 that if we come to Jesus as the Son of God, He will care for us. He will save us. He will give us rest. He will keep us but we must be weary and heavy laden. Are you weary and heavy laden today? Are you? We cannot save ourselves. We need soul rest. We have to take His yoke upon us and be willing learners to grow in relationship with Him. He is gentle and humble of heart. He lives to give us rest to our souls both the initial rest of salvation as we've seen in part one and the ongoing rest in part two from life's burdens. This is a call to those who do not know Jesus. They have not found initial rest in Jesus. They have not come to Jesus. They have not committed their life to Him. They have not given up their own effort to earn salvation. Jesus' greatest desire is that you would come to Him today, that you would place your faith in Him, in His finished work on the cross for you. You will be saved. 
and enter His eternal rest, forgiven from all your sins, free from all your heavy burdens, from trying to earn peace with God. Will you come to Him today? Today is the day He's calling you. Don't put it off. And for those of you who are saved, you've entered His initial rest, Jesus calls you back to experience an ongoing rest, to learn at His feet, for His yoke is light. Learn, be with Him in a deep, intimate relationship. Walk with Him each day and each morning. Don't leave here today carrying the burdened sins of a noisy soul. Remember and return to the soul rest that is already yours in Christ Jesus. And finally, the ultimate encouragement to keep coming, Jesus is gentle and humble of heart. He is forever searching for the humble. He is soothing those of us that are broken. He desires that we trust each and every day in Him. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He should have first place in our lives. Jesus Himself is the rest for a noisy soul. He provides consistency and calms the waves of life's storms. We can depend on Him.